Welcome to the Foundations Church Podcast, where we exist to make Jesus famous. We hope this message is life-giving, encouraging, and challenges you in your walk with Christ. Church Podcast. called Simon Peter, and it's going to be a look at the life of the disciple, Simon Peter. And some of you, maybe you're here, and you're like, man, I register with Simon Peter. Like, he was a total screw-up half the time. Um, I totally get it. I put my foot in my mouth all the time. This is going to be kind of a four-week series that we're doing on the life of Simon Peter. And um, today, we're really going to start with the calling of Simon Peter, The calling of Simon Peter. And so our text is going to be found in Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. And it says this, verse 1, one day as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. And stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing, but if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. And this time, their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat, and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. I love that visual picture of like, man, are you kidding me right now um, that that's happening? I would love to have seen that. Verse 8, when Simon Peter realized what had happened, He fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh Lord, please leave me. I'm such a sinful man. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, as were the others with him. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. Jesus replied to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people, or many of us have heard, you know, fishers of men. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. This is um, one of the, there's, there's several different references of the first occurrence that Peter had 
Um, but this is the first really probably calling of Peter in his life of following after Jesus. And, and what I love about this text and this text this morning shows us so many things. Um, it could really be a series on its own. So I'm going to try to hit some things really quick this morning. But the first thing I love about this text is Jesus shows us something. And he shows us in just the calling of Peter. And it's our first point today. But Jesus is saying this, come as you are, but don't follow as you were. Come as you are, <clears throat> come to me as you are, but don't follow as you were. I, I hear all the time, so many times there are people that just say, you know what, I just, I've got to wait um, to be perfect. I've got to wait to get some things straightened in my own life to really start following after Jesus. And when I hear that, it makes no sense to me. You can't wait to be perfect to follow after Jesus. You can't wait till you feel worthy enough to come to Jesus. That's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus went to where Simon Peter was. And when Simon Peter sees the miracle, when Simon Peter really realizes who Jesus is, he's awestruck. And he says, man, you know, leave me because I'm a sinful man. I am not a, a worthy person that you would even be in my boat, that you would even be speaking to me. You know, I just need you to leave me because I'm a really big mess and I am just not worthy for you to even be in my boat. And so many times I think there are so many of us that we think, well, I've just got, I've got to wait. We kind of have the Simon Peter syndrome. I, I got to kind of wait until I get some things worked out and my life isn't quite as big of a mess as it is right now. And I, I, I just sit there and I, I kind of scratch my head when I hear this because it's not just people that are in church, it's a lot of people that are out of church they're just like, man, I just, I just can't go into church because I'm afraid I'm going to burn, right? Like uh, the church is going to catch on fire if I walk into it. I, I just can't imagine going into church. And, and, and here's the deal. You keep waiting to get your dysfunction all worked out, but you keep putting it off and putting it off when Jesus is the master of taking a mess and bringing a message out of it. He is a master of taking your dysfunction and turning it into a calling and turning it into a something that you can function through and you have been putting off and putting off and putting off and you keep staying dysfunctional instead of getting better and here it is Jesus says this man come as you are come as you are you don't have to wait to be perfect you don't have to wait till you get everything straightened out come as you are but he doesn't leave it there right we've heard it said a lot it's okay not to be okay it's just not okay to stay that way Right? It's okay not to be okay. It's just not okay to stay that way. Come as you are, but here's what Jesus says. But, but don't follow as you were. If you're going to follow after me, Jesus said this in another part of the New Testament. You've got to deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow after me. You've got to deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow after me. In essence, what Jesus is, what we're saying today is don't just be an admirer of Jesus, but a follower of him. There was a ton of people, there was great crowds pressed in around him, but only a few followed him. And there's a lot of us that we, we love to admire Jesus, and we think what he did was great, and we're, we're, we're fans, but we're not necessarily a follower. And there's a big, big difference because you can't follow being the same way when you met Jesus. There, there is something different. Don't just be an admirer of Jesus, but be 
a follower. And, and this is where it kind of comes to in the life of Simon Peter, is that when Simon Peter starts this, this very first calling where Simon Peter is, after he follows Jesus, it wasn't just a life full of him avoiding sin, right? It wasn't just him <clears throat> like trying to avoid this mess up or this mistake or this screw up or saying this wrong because if you look at the life of Simon Peter, man, he was a huge screw up all the time. Like Jesus called him Satan at one point. I don't know how bad it's gotten with your relationship with Jesus, but I'm pretty sure he hasn't called you Satan and told you to get behind him. Right? I, I think you're doing okay. And, and, and Simon cuts a guy's ear off once when they're coming to arrest Jesus. Simon, and we're going to talk about this a lot next week, but Simon Peter even denies knowing Jesus three times in one night. Not, not just betraying. Think about this. Like, I don't even know the man is what he says. We're, we're about to get into that right now. That's where he's at I think most of us would be like, oh yeah, I know Jesus. You're, 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 you're ahead of where Simon Peter was at this point. But Simon Peter's life wasn't about just focusing on everything he did wrong. Simon Peter's life and his calling was about what he would become. And Simon Peter didn't just become a person that, that, you know, confessed his sins and turned from his sin, but he followed after Jesus. And when he started following, he didn't stay the way he was. He became a disciple. He became one of the 12. He became one of three of the favorite disciples. Don't believe me? Read your Bible. He was in the inner circle of Jesus. I mean, he was one of the founding fathers of the church. Peter wrote part of the New Testament. Peter lived this amazing, incredible life, and he stepped into his calling. And that's where I think a lot of us miss it, is that we think this whole following after Jesus and Christianity thing is about just avoiding sin. That's not it at all. And hear me, it's not about dismissing holiness and righteousness, because that's part of following Jesus. But it's way, way bigger than that. It's about stepping into the calling that Jesus has on your life. And it doesn't matter what what age you are. It doesn't matter what stage you're in. It doesn't matter what you have done or what you haven't done. Here's what I believe to my core is Jesus has a calling on your life specifically for you that doesn't look like anybody else. And your power comes when you step into your destiny, when you step into your calling, when you step into being a follower of Christ and not just coming to him as you were, but becoming who he's called you to be, there is power in that. Amen. There's a lot of us we'd say, well, you know, it's, it's but, but, you know, Peter did mess up. You know, Peter, Peter did have all that go wrong. And I, I just don't know if I want my mistakes to be out there for everyone to see when I'm saying I'm a follower of Christ. Hear me on this. And it's our subpoint on this point. It's better to be a follower who sometimes fails than one who fails to follow. It's better to be a follower who sometimes fails than one who fails to follow. You're not called to be perfect. Let me take the pressure off you. Let me say that again, because if you grew up the way I grew up, man, I, I love 
the way my parents brought me up, they did a fantastic job. I love the church I grew up in. They did a fantastic job, but with that became a lot of legalism, the way I was brought up. And I thought the first time I cussed, I was going to hell. I thought the first time I messed up, God was going to be done with me. You know, like, oh, there's Justin's chance. He's never coming back from this, right? And I'm 14 years old, and there is this point where I thought my relationship with Jesus Christ was all about performance-based instead of relationship-based. You're not called to be perfect. You're not going to be perfect perfect. I'm going to mess up as a husband. Did it, I'm sure, this past week, not even knowing. I'm going to mess up as a dad. I'm going to mess up as a friend. I'm going to be imperfect as a pastor. But that's okay. You're not called to be perfect. Better to be a follower who sometimes fail than one who fails to follow because when it comes to it, this is what God says. He says, you know what? In the midst of your mistake, in the midst of your imperfection, my grace is still sufficient for you. Amen. So you've blown it. So you were going and something cut in on you. His grace is still sufficient for you. In fact, it says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ might rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Peter became a lot more than he was when he first met Jesus. Paul became a whole lot more than what he was currently was on the road of Damascus. He, he, he was persecuting the church. He was killing Christians. And now he's coming to a person that was a missionary and somebody that was spreading the gospel and writing a ton of the New Testament. There's always this point, man, come as you are, but don't follow as you were is the big, huge thing I think we take away from this calling of Peter. Man, how long have you been staying the same way? Because the problematic issue is that we just continue to try to avoid instead of engage in the calling that God has for you. Man, engage in that calling. The second thing I would say is this. Stop arguing and start yielding. Stop arguing and start yielding. The definition to yield is to give way, to submit, or Surrender, to give way, submit, or surrender. When I think of yield, I think of a yield sign, right? Um, and this, to me, is a suggestion, not a command, right? When I see this when I'm driving, I'm gassing it. I'm just letting you know. Um, I'm just, I'm like, oh, they can yield to me. But if you have a yield sign and I'm on the highway, you better yield because I will hit you. Um, I'm like, oh, no, I got the right away, right? Um, I don't have the yield sign. You have the, and some of you, you've had this issue coming here. You're like, you have to yield. You have to yield. You know, I've got the right away. I've got the right away. And um, some of you, you're like me. You use the yield sign as a suggestion. I'm going to gun it. And can I just do a justice for humanity? When you're getting on the highway, accelerate. Accelerate. Go fast onto that thing. Praise God. 
My goodness. God has given us all the gift of wisdom. No, it's not, he hasn't, but accelerate on that. And here's what I would tell you. When it comes to your relationship with God, stop arguing. He's got the right of way. He's got the right of way, right? He's superior to you. He's all-powerful, all-knowing, all-present. Our job isn't to sit here and argue with God. Our job as a follower of Christ is to yield to him. In fact, in the, in, in the book of Luke, there's this phrase, and, and Simon Peter said it. He said, Master. Do you know the only people that use the word master or most people that use the word master in Luke were followers of Jesus Christ, not just admirers of him. The admirers, the people that knew him but didn't follow him called him teacher. The people that didn't just listen to him but followed him called him master. Why? Because they realized the authority that he had in their life. And, and, and here it is. We think sometimes, well, you know, it was convenient for them to follow. It was convenient for them to, to do all that they did. Here, here's where I'm at. I put myself in these disciples' feet, or the disciples' position. I'm like, how, how would I handle this? They've been all night out fishing. All night they've been fishing. They've caught nothing. It was a bust. They're ready to close up shop. They're washing their nets. They're putting everything away. And Jesus says, hey, let's, 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 let's go push out. And that's one thing. As long as I'm not getting my nets dirty, you know, I'm like, okay, whatever. What, okay, we'll do this whole thing, Jesus, whatever you say. And then he says, hey, let's go fishing, right? Let's drop, let's drop the nets over on this. I was just talking to Bob Hall about fishing earlier, and I'm like, man, I need help on this, Bob. You need to help me out with some stuff because I know a little bit, but not enough. These guys were expert fishermen, and he says, hey, let's, let's drop the nets and let's, let's go fishing, and here I am going, but, 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 but I just washed the nets, God. Did you, not, did you not see me wash the nets? Like, this is not convenient right now. Um, I, I, we've been, and, and Peter kind of alludes to that. Man, we've been, we've been fishing all night, Jesus. Like, Master, we've been, in fact, check it out. Check, uh, verse 4, Luke 5, verse 4, when they had finished speaking, he said to Simon, now go out where it's deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Verse five, master, Simon replied, I think he's trying to be super respectful like when you argued with your parents when they were, you know, when you were a teenager and you knew they were wrong but you still didn't want to get crushed because your parents can still crush you even if they're wrong, right? And you're like, mom, dad, I admire you. I think you guys are the greatest. But um, master, Simon replied, we worked hard all last night. Man, we didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. This isn't convenient. This isn't the way I would do it at all. And, and can I tell you, that's part of yielding. That's, that's the hard part. of It's never convenient to yield, even when you're getting on the highway. You just want to keep accelerating and go. That's part of yielding. It's saying, you know what? I'm not, I'm not going to argue this whole thing if this is what you're saying, if this is what you're asking, my job is to follow. If this is what you are asking of me, I'm not gonna keep trying to dismiss it and delay it because delayed obedience is still disobedience, right? 
I'm not gonna try to keep putting this thing off. Man, my job is just to yield to you and to do what you ask, even when it's not convenient. And I think that's where we kind of wrestle at. Because if it's not convenient, if it doesn't make sense to me to do it this way, like if I'm Simon Peter, why couldn't you have just let me catch the fish last night, right? Like that's way more convenient, like that makes more sense to my brain. Why, why couldn't we have done this last, where were you last night, Jesus? I'm glad you could sleep in and everything while the rest of us were, right? Like I'm just, but, but part of following God is not trying to make God do it the way you would do it. Part of yielding to God is understanding that there's gonna be a lot of times it's not convenient, but it's still his way. It's not always gonna be convenient, but it's still his way. And so Simon Peter came to a place that is a challenge for you and I to come to. And he says this phrase that's so, so good. He says this, but if you say so. But this doesn't make sense to me. This isn't convenient to me. This isn't the right timing for me. You know, I don't understand all this. There's all these other things. That, but, but if you say so, the nets are clean. The boat was pulled up. I'm tired. I'm worn out. I'm disappointed from all my labor. Nothing came from it. And isn't that where we get stuck? I've been doing the right thing. I've been parenting the right way. I've been doing the right thing, been sowing, and and nothing has come. And we get tired and we come to, but God keeps telling you to keep going, to keep sowing, to keep doing your thing, to keep doing what he's commanded. And you got to come to this place where you just yield and you're like Simon Peter and you just say, I don't understand it, but if you say so. Every parent in here, I don't care, um, Randy and Kristen, you guys had the baby dedicated this morning. Um, we, when we, we have ideas of what we're gonna be like as a parent, we'll say things like, I will never say this phrase. Um, I will never say that phrase. Can I tell you probably every young couple in here that you haven't had a kid that's four years old yet, you say that I am never going to say the phrase because I said so. But that's before your four-year-old thinks it's a good idea to run around with sharp knives around the house. And they're like, why, why, why? Why can't I run around with knives in my hand, Dad? Why can't I, you know, why can't I point a Roman candle in my face, Dad? Why can't I take my sticky fingers and rub them all the furniture, Mom? You don't have to explain yourself to that four-year-old because you know better. Because I said so is a sufficient reason as a parent, right? Praise God. You know enough, you know more than that four-year-old, right? You're like, you don't understand what's going to happen to you because I said so is sufficient. And can I tell you, we're the four-year-old in this story. We're the four-year-old in this story. Because God says this about himself in Isaiah chapter 55, verse 8. He says, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts. And my ways are far beyond anything you can imagine. Verse nine, for just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Job 38, love this part of Job. 
Job doesn't understand why everything has happened. He's got three really sorry friends that have just attacked him the whole time. And Job kind of finally gets fed up and he starts letting God have it. And God is like, hold the, hold, the, hold the phone here. Like, I'm about to come in and drop the mic on you, Job. Job 38, verse one through 12, it says this. Then the Lord answered Job from the whirlwind. I love this. Who is this that questions my wisdom with such ignorant words? That's how God talks to me. I don't know if God talks to you that way. That's like, Justin, why are you doing that, dummy? Um, Brace yourself like a man because I have some questions for you and you must answer them. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you know so much. Who determined its dimensions and stretched out the surveying line? What supports its foundation and who laid its cornerstone? As the morning stars sang together and the angels shouted for joy, who, who kept the sea inside its boundaries as it burst from the womb and as I clothed it with clouds and wrapped it in thick darkness? For I locked it behind barred gates, limiting its shores. I said, this far and no farther will you come. Here your proud waves must stop. Have you ever commanded the morning to appear and cause the dawn to rise in the east? No, no. <laughs> no, sir. <laughs> right? Like... And when we understand that we're the four-year-old in the story, we come to a place where Simon Peter says, I don't understand this. Every, this is not convenient. This is really a pain in the butt right now. But if you say so. But, but, but if you say so. I remember driving my oldest daughter, Charlie, to the zoo one time. It was just me and her, father-daughter date. Um, she's four years old. We're driving to the zoo She's like, Dad, we're going the wrong way. What are you talking about? We're not going the wrong way. Yes, we're going the wrong way, Dad. And I'm like, do you even know where we're going, Charlie? She's like, we're going to the zoo, and we're going. She starts getting a little indignant. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. hold on. Where were you when I laid the phone? No, I'm, you know. <laughs> she's like, we're going the wrong way. And I looked at her, I go, you spent half your life turned backwards, like in your car seat. You got no, I, you know what didn't happen? I didn't stop the car and be like, okay, Charlie, let's, let's talk this out. Um, wh- where do you think we should go, right? Like, how do you picture this going? No, she's a four-year-old that had no idea where she was going. She wasn't going to control the direction we went or how I was driving or where we were going because I knew better because I was her father. And can I tell you, her job was just to stay and enjoy the ride and to yield to my direction and my way because I knew better. Can I tell you, we're the four-year-old in this story. Stop telling God how to get to the end part of his will and purpose for your life. He knows the direction. Your job, my job, isn't to say it's not fair, I don't understand, it's not convenient, but to just come to a place where we yield to such a point where we say, but if you say so, but if you say so, I'll let down the nets again. If you say so, I'll be inconvenienced again. If you say so, I may not understand, but I'll still be obedient. If you say so, because here's what I know. Point three, when you say yes, he overwhelms you with the rest. When you say yes, he overwhelms you with the rest. Luke 5, verse 5 through 6, Master Simon replied, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing, but if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. And this time their nets were so full of fish 
they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boats, and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. We have come to a place in church, and I'm guilty of this, where a lot of times we don't want to talk about the blessings of God because it has been misrepresented and mistaught. But what I will tell you is all throughout the Bible, when you say yes to God, it is all throughout scriptures, he overwhelms you with the rest. This isn't meaning that he's going to make you rich, but he might. But what I can tell you is that he will fill your boat a whole lot more full than you could do it on your own. And when you follow God, when you allow, when you say yes to the Lord, he starts to bless and he starts to, 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 to grant provisions that you could never do on your own. This is not just about money. I know Malachi talks about, you know, return the tithe to me, test me in the tithe and see if I will not pour so much blessing on you, you won't have room to contain it. I know that it says a generous man shall prosper in Proverbs, that he who refreshes others will be refreshed himself. I know that Paul says in the Bible that man, if you, the man who sows generously will reap generously, and the person that sows sparingly will reap sparingly. I understand that, and I'm not talking name it, claim it, but what I will tell you is when you say yes to the will of God, it is an all-encompassing blessing on your life. It affects your relationships. It affects the opportunities. It affects your workplace. It affects your finances. It affects everything you allow God to come in and take control, but there's got to come a place where you say yes. And where are you not saying yes to that you're nervous about? Best kind of illustration I have for this is when Casey and I started Foundations Church in almost, it'll be 11 years in September. And when, when we were thinking about starting this, Casey, honestly, you can ask her, she didn't want to. She goes, no, I'm not doing that. I'm like, well, we're going to start one in September. Buckle up, lady. No, that is not how it went down. Um, <laughs> put your big girl pants on. It's time to get right. Um, no, she, she, she was willing, but she did not want to. And, and she's struggling with this, and um, she's just going through it all and, and really wrestling with God about this. And I've been hurt, and I've been wounded, and I'm tired, and ministry has been really, really hard, and it hasn't been fair. And it's this whole, I've been washing, the nets are washed, and we've been fishing all night, and I'm tired, and I've been tr trying to do what you called me to do, and I've gotten hurt, and I've gotten burned. And he simply said this to her, if you say yes, I'll take care of the rest. And can I tell you, since she said yes, this has been the scariest thing we've ever done. It has been the funnest thing we've ever done. It has been the biggest blessing of anything we've ever done. It has brought relationships that we never dreamed we would have. A church has been birthed that we never thought we would get to pastor. And I get to pastor and she gets to pastor the greatest church I think there is. All because we simply said yes and he overwhelmed us with the rest. And what is true for us is true for you. What are you not saying yes to that you're scared of, that you're overwhelmed with, that you're tired of. You know he's calling you to this, but you've got to say yes so he can overwhelm you with the rest. But I would say this too, is understand Peter didn't just follow the provision 
but the provider. And this is a trap we get into. He didn't follow the provision, he followed the provider. Luke 5, 11 says, as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. Peter left everything. He, he left the huge hall, right? He didn't cash it in. I, I, I wondered about it, and so I started reading commentary and commentary and commentary. They're like, he didn't have time to, 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 to really cash in the hall because Jesus left and he immediately followed him. Can I tell you, so many times we start falling in love with the hands of Jesus that we forget to follow the heart of Jesus. We want what Jesus can do for us instead of what we can do for him. And the blessing comes when your life is lived for what can I do for your kingdom instead of what can you do for my castle? How, how can I live in following you because you are the provider instead of chasing the provision? How can I follow you as the miracle worker instead of chasing the miracle? When you say yes, he takes care of the rest, but make sure you continue to follow him. I close with this. In Mark 1.17, one of the first words that Jesus says to Peter is this, come follow me. And then in John 21, verse 22, one of the last words Jesus says to Peter is this, you must follow me. You must follow me. Some of his first words are, come follow me. Some of his last words are, you must follow me. And in between those two commands is a few years of Peter going up and down. Up and down, mistakes, great moments. Man, he, he nailed when Jesus said, who do you say I am? You're the son of God, right? Like, and it was like, Peter, you got this. Upon this church, I, you know, upon you, I'm gonna build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Like, Peter's like, yeah, I'm the man. Did you hear it? He's building this church on me, you know? And then he's calling Peter Satan in the, the, the next moment. You know, it's just this whole bipolar moment with Peter. But he continued to follow. And, and I wonder, how is our following? How are we doing following? Are we trying to dictate the directions? Are we trying to determine the path we take? Or are we busy following? Were there mistakes that cut in? Were there mistakes that happened? The man set you back and discouraged you and now you're not following anymore? Or are you still following him? That's the question. Man, come as you are. You don't follow as you were, step into what he has for you. Yield to him. Come to the place where you say, but if you say so, man, I'm following. Because when you say yes, he overwhelms you with the rest. Let's pray. Lord, we love you and we thank you for today. Lord, I pray that in this place today that you would speak to our hearts, that you would speak to our lives, and that we would just be real and transparent with you this morning. <clears throat> God, I, I ask the Lord, there's some of us that maybe we're here and man, maybe we've been watching online because even coming to church scares us to death. And Lord, your, your, your gospel, your word says, come, come as you are. 
You don't have to have it all together. Man, Peter was a mess. He even told you to leave him because he was such a sinful person. But you say, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come as you are. But Lord, the huge end all isn't just the forgiveness of sins. It's the pursuit of following after you. It's following and changing who we were. And so, Lord, for some of us, God, we've come to you. Lord, Lord, we've experienced forgiveness and we've, we've experienced redemption. <clears throat> but, Lord, somewhere along the way, we failed to follow. Because, Lord, maybe what you were asking didn't make sense. Maybe what you were asking wasn't convenient. Maybe the way that life happened wasn't the way we would have done it. And, Lord, we're the four-year-old questioning the directions and why, but God, I pray, bring us back to this place that Simon Peter started at. And Lord, it didn't make sense to drop the nets in the middle of the day. Lord, they had tried and they tried, but Lord, he simply came to a place where he said, because, but if you say so, Lord, he yielded to you. And so, Lord, I pray that today we would learn the art of yielding to our Savior, yielding to your plan. Man, the path, we may never understand it. Lord, that's okay. We were never meant to understand it. We were just meant to be obedient to it. And so, Lord, move in us. Lord, for some of us that maybe we stop following, God, I pray that we would begin to follow you once again. Lord, you would continue to move, and Lord, we would continue, and for some of us that we would start to say yes to the things that's scaring us, to the thing that we've been putting off, or the thing that we've gotten away from. In Jesus' name I pray, with heads bowed and eyes closed. This morning, if you're here and you say, Justin, I'm here and I don't know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, we want to give you a chance to change that. Maybe today is your come-as-you-are moment. Maybe you've been waiting to get it all perfected. Maybe you've been waiting till you feel worthy enough and good enough. It's not gonna happen. You're never gonna get there and you never were meant to get there. You're forgiven because of what Christ did for you. All you have to do this morning is come to him. So this morning, you may be watching online, you may be here right in this place. You say, Justin, I need to make a first-time decision or I need to recommit my life to him because where I'm at isn't where I need to be and I need to come to him. When I count to three, if that's you, if you just raise your hand, we're gonna lead you in a prayer that will change your life. One, two, three. Is there anyone here today you say, Justin, that's me. Justin, that's me, man. There's just, there's just a change that needs to happen in my life. Is there anyone here before we go any further in this service, and you say, Justin, that's, there's one hand. Is there anybody else? You join this one hand that's lifted. This one individual would repeat this prayer after me. If you're watching at home and that's you, man, repeat this prayer after me and mean it from your heart. Jesus, I come before you today and I confess that I have sinned, that I've messed up, but I ask for your forgiveness. God, I repent 
of the life I was living. And I turn from my life of sin and I turn to you, God, and I grab hold of the life that you have for me. I confess you, Jesus Christ, to be the Lord and Savior of my life. I'm gonna live for you the rest of my days. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thanks so much for listening to our podcast. If you have any questions or in need of prayer or would like to join a connect group, feel free to email me at nicole at foundationschurch.tv. that you enjoyed this message. If you have any questions or want to reach out to us, you can email us at info at foundationschurch.tv or visit our website at foundationschurch.tv.